cut over to Tucker Carlson tonight and then get back for the latest Death Be Not Proud, the monkey Welcome version. to Tucker Carlson tonight. The hallmark of any authoritarian regime is politicized justice. Under that system, your opponents go to jail. Your supporters can do whatever they want. And this reveals that the state exists not to serve the people who live in it, but to preserve itself and to crush all dissent. You hate to think we've reached a point anywhere near that here in the United States because there's nothing worse than that or scarier or harder to fix. But in fact, we have reached that point. That's where we are. Yesterday, for example, a man leaped on stage at a campaign event and tried to stab Lee Zeldin. Zeldin's a sitting member of Congress. He's challenging the unelected incumbent, Kathy Hochul, in the governor's race in New York. So ordinarily, attempting to assassinate a federal office holder would be considered a big deal. But Lee Zeldin is a Republican, so it's not a big deal anymore. The man who tried to murder Lee Zeldin was released immediately with no bail. Less than 24 hours later, by contrast, former Trump advisor Steve Bannon was convicted of crimes that until recently were not crimes at all, for which he now faces a prison term of two years. Bannon has been declared guilty of something called contempt of Congress. That may strike you as an unintentionally hilarious term, since most of the time Congress invites our contempt. But the point is, this is a crime that Democrats are not convicted of, ever. Attorney General Eric Holder and IRS Executive Lois Lerner were once found to be in contempt of Congress, both of them, and for real crimes. In Holder's case, it was gun running in Mexico. In Lerner's case, it was targeting conservatives for audits. But neither one went to trial. Holder claimed executive privilege, which was enough, even after a judge ruled that executive privilege did not apply in Eric Holder's case. But it didn't matter. He walked. Lois Lerner cited the Fifth Amendment. It was as simple as that. Both of them today, Lerner and Holder, are free and richer than ever. But these standards do not apply to Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon was subpoenaed by the January 6th committee, despite the fact he had literally nothing to do with January 6th. And we know that because he left the White House three years before it happened. But it didn't matter. He annoyed the wrong people, so he's going to jail. Now, this shouldn't surprise you, really, because we've been building toward this moment for some time. You might recall Greg Craig. That would be Barack Obama's former White House counsel. He was acquitted of violating the Foreign Agents Registration Act, FARA, back in 2019. He'd been working for Ukraine. Now, at almost exactly the same moment, Paul Manafort, who hired Greg Craig to work on Ukraine, was convicted of violating the same law, FARA on the same account for Ukraine. How does that work exactly? It seems like a double standard. And indeed, it is a double standard, but it's a consistent standard. We've seen it again and again and again. Former Clinton attorney Michael Sussman was just acquitted by a D.C. jury of lying to the FBI. That happened in May. The theory was that really, who knows what Michael Sussman told the FBI about non-existent Russian servers in Trump Tower? Okay. As long as we're using that theory, does it work for everyone? Well, it didn't work for George Papadopoulos. Didn't work for Michael Flynn. On the other hand, neither one of those guys had a key card to FBI headquarters like Michael Sussman did. And that came in handy, that relationship. But Mike Flynn didn't have that relationship. His life was destroyed. Why? Because of handwritten notes by Peter Strzok, who you can now see on MSNBC, about their conversation in the White House about Russian sanctions. Get him to lie. The head of counterintelligence the FBI wrote to Strzok, speaking of Flynn. So on the basis of that, the setup, they hounded Mike Flynn into poverty. The same thing happened to George Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos' crime? 
not being as forthcoming as possible about his job status with the Trump campaign, unpaid. That's literally what the DOJ told the court in a filing, quote, the defendant did not provide substantial assistance. Oh, that's the standard. So Papadopoulos went to prison. So did the 69-year-old grandmother recently called Pam Hemphill. She's currently serving a two-month sentence in federal prison. Why? Because she, quote, paraded in the Capitol on January 6th. Didn't hurt anyone. She's got breast cancer. She's going to prison. A judge in Washington had no problem issuing that sentence. At exactly the same moment, the U.S. attorney for D.C. dropped all charges against Stephen Colbert's production crew for doing the same thing, but worse. So Stephen Colbert's team may have lied to federal authorities when they said they'd stay out of restricted areas. But they didn't lie to federal authorities in quite the same way, apparently. And, and of course, they had the right politics. Unlike Roger Stone. Roger Stone got a three-year prison sentence. He had a SWAT team show up at his house at dawn with a CNN crew in tow, tipped off by the Justice Department for maximum humiliation. What was his crime? No one can remember because there wasn't one. So if you've been paying any attention at all to our justice system, particularly under Merrick Garland, you had some sense of where this was going. It was moving toward the authoritarian system we now have, where justice is an illusion. Offend the people in charge, get punished. Support the people in charge, do whatever you want. Still, even knowing that, today's conviction of Steve Bannon is an escalation. There was not even a pretense in his trial that the prosecution of Steve Bannon was lawful. So the Constitution requires equal protection. Heard that phrase? That means that selective prosecution is not allowed. It's unconstitutional. If you don't try one person for a crime, you don't get to charge another person for the same crime because that's selective. It's political. But under Merrick Garland, that's the new rule. Offend us, go to jail. At his trial, Steve Bannon was not permitted to say that his attorneys had counseled him against bending the knee of the January 6th committee. He couldn't even say that. Nor was he allowed to argue that his subpoena was legally invalid. Why couldn't he argue that? All Steve Bannon was allowed to do was shut up. He had to remain silent and await his conviction. And that's what he did. Outside of federal court today, Steve Bannon pointed out that he subpoenaed members of the January 6th committee to testify at his trial. Why can't you face your accusers? Isn't that guaranteed under our system? Not in this case. Because having the January 6th committee members show up would expose them to the one thing they cannot tolerate, which is cross-examination. So they refused. Watch. I want to thank the jury for the, what the effort they did, the judge, particularly the court administration here, everybody. I only have one disappointment, and that is the gutless members of that show trial committee. The J6 committee didn't have the guts to come down here and testify in open court. Did you expect Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger to show up? <laughs> they don't have to testify. They don't have to do anything they don't want to do. They can just send their enemies to jail. So their behavior is really not that surprising because the January 6th committee itself does not allow cross-examination during its hearings. You may have noticed this. It doesn't even allow the identification of many witnesses. They do it anonymously. How do you define show trial? That's how you define show trial. So these are not hearings in any recognizable sense. This is a show trial. That is exactly what it is. That's not overstatement. 
The committee did not allow the cross-examination of former White House aide Cassidy Hutchinson, for example, even after she made claims that were insane. They made no sense. She claimed that Donald Trump tried to carjack his own presidential limo and drive it to the Capitol. So if she'd been cross-examined, which in any hearing, hearing is permitted under the Western system of justice, not the woke system of justice that Liz Cheney has brought us, but in the conventional system that all of us grew up with, you would have a cross-examination, and someone might have pointed out that the Secret Service agents in that limo denied her account. But if you were watching on MSNBC or CNN, which have taken this propaganda live and then bragged about it, we're doing the bidding of the state. We're so proud. We're calling it journalism. We've refused to do that because we have dignity and we're not liars, unlike them. But if you're watching this on those channels, you would have no idea that the Secret Service denied this account. The Secret Service was never contacted by Liz Cheney or Adam Kinzinger before the testimony. And that's bizarre. Because if the committee wanted to get to the truth of the Trump grabbed the wheel of the limo allegation, they would have talked to people who were there, but they didn't. Republicans, if they'd been allowed to cross-examine, if they demanded to cross-examine, we're not defending Republicans. They've fallen down on the job. That's an understatement. But if someone had been allowed to ask adult questions of the witness, we might have learned what CNN viewers will never know. And that's that Hutchinson reportedly tried to get a job at Mar-a-Lago afterward. But none of that was allowed. Because it's pure propaganda. This has been going on for months now. Last night, the January 6th committee put on testimony from an anonymous official. Can you imagine an anonymous official claiming that Secret Service agents assigned to Mike Pence were using their radios to tell their families goodbye, like they're on the deck of the Titanic? Because they assumed they would die in the Capitol because some guy in Viking horns on mushrooms was spinning in rounded circles and talking about peace. They were so afraid. Watch this nonsense. The members of the BPT tell at this time were starting to fear for their own lives. Um, there were a lot of, there was a lot of yelling, um, a lot of, um, uh, a lot of very personal calls um, over the radio. So uh, it was disturbing. I don't like talking about it, but um, uh, there were calls to um, say goodbye to family members, so on and so forth. It was getting. For, for whatever the reason was on the ground, the VP detail thought that this was about to get very ugly. It's just absolutely shameful, absolutely shameful that the other channels played this crap without pushing back in even the mildest way. Oh, it's news. It's not news. And your job in journalism is to hold the powerful accountable. It's not to do their bidding or put their lies on TV unedited in primetime which is what every other channel has done except Fox News, and we are proud of that. Well, you should be ashamed. Yeah, you should be ashamed. But there's no cross-examination allowed in any of this because this committee would not allow it. No rebuttal of any kind. So, of course, there was no inquiry as to why a Capitol Hill police officer with a documented history of recklessly mishandling firearms shot an unarmed woman in the neck, an Air Force veteran. He shot her in the neck. Why? You're not allowed to ask. What happened to those thousands of hours of surveillance footage? Why can't we see those? Nah, you're not allowed even to ask why we're not allowed to see them. We can't know why police are on video letting people into the Capitol complex on January 6th. Why is that? Not allowed to ask. And this is going to continue. As Adam Kinzinger said, 
This charade, which really does corrode the heart of our system, this will continue all the way till the midterms, because as Kinziger, who's dumb enough to say the quiet part out loud, admitted, this is a political exercise. Watch. This investigation is not winding down. We may be towards the end of this tranche of hearings. We may have more hearings in the future, and the investigation is still ongoing. Mm-hmm. So we're, 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 we're getting to the bottom of what we need to know. Yeah, okay. We're getting to the bottom. Actually, you're preventing legitimate, obvious questions from being asked. And, and just in point of fact, no matter how long these hearings go on, they could go on forever, and Adam Kinzinger will still be a sad tormented, tiny man with a miserable personal life. So, you know, that's some comfort. But the prosecutors here, working for Kinzinger and Cheney and the rest of this committee, just like the school boards and the teachers unions last year, worked in tandem with the Justice Department to punish the enemies of the Democratic Party. What is that? Well, it's the single greatest threat to the rule of law in the history of the United States. That's true. Steve Bannon is the former White House chief strategist. He's also the host of The War Room. And as we just told you, he's just been convicted of two crimes. Steve Bannon, thanks so much for coming on. I, you, know, you, you can't kind of help but notice that you were convicted of a crime, which is not actually a crime most of the time in Washington or ever, within the same 24-hour period as a guy who tried to murder a gubernatorial candidate in New York was released with no bail. What are we to make of these two events occurring the same day? Well, as you can tell, the Democrats are completely lawless. And look how they've run this committee. There's no ranking member. There's no minority council. It's not like the traditional hearings that have galvanized the nation in the past. And, Tucker, I think it's one of the reasons that it hasn't really had that big an impact. You know, when they they interviewed the people on the trial, I think almost all the working class people didn't even know what was going on. Your show with people like Darren Beatty and Revolver and Raheem, you've done actually more original reporting on what we've got to get to the bottom to. Look, we need a commission or a committee on January 6th. It's got to be with the new Congress, with Republicans in charge, and we've got to get to the bottom of the intelligence failures, FBI involvement, DHS involvement, the intelligence services, what happened to the Pentagon and the, and the National Guard, all of this. All, Ashley Babbitt, all of this, ha- we have to get to the bottom of it. And people are going to get to the bottom of it, even to the fact of some of the testimony that was given by staffers uh, in, in mild trial. You know, we wanted decision makers to come over and actually go on record uh, under oath and say exactly what happened here. And they wouldn't. Well, they, they hid it, behind a privilege of which they wouldn't allow, which they wouldn't allow me to they, the, the, the judge the time narrow cast us on the executive privilege issue. I, I mean, I've spent my whole life in Washington. I see a lot of acrimonious debates, but the idea you would send someone to prison because you don't like his political views. There's no allegation that you organized January 6th that were there, stormed the Capitol. I mean, this is fully insane. They don't like your politics. They hate your attitude, and they're trying to send you to jail. Did you think this? I didn't think this could happen. We'll start there. Did you think this could happen? A hundred percent, I think it happened. This is the, remember, these guys all thought they were going to change China and, and the Chinese Communist Party. They're taking on the aspects of the authoritarian state and state capitalism combined. This is the, the elites that run this country. This is exactly what, how they want to run it. Remember, Tucker, I'm not new to this. I, I've spent more than any Trump official in intense, uh, you know, uh, being a witness in the Mueller commission for, I think, 30 hours. Uh, in the House Intelligence Committee, the Senate Intelligence Committee, I had Bill Burke, I had Alex Spiro. Here I had David Schoen. I had top lawyers. They wouldn't even let my. They wouldn't even let it be that I could rely on the uh, on the opinion of my lawyer. 
Here they took away every possible defense so somebody can have a defense of law. Okay, that's why we didn't even put on a defense. We just had a closing, had an opening argument and a closing argument. Tucker, this is where they're going. I mean, you documented better than anybody, but no. People have to understand, this is just one fight in an entire process, and that's why it's absolutely incumbent that Liz Cheney's defeated in a couple of weeks in Wyoming by the Republican Party and by conservatives and by MAGA. And then later, we've already got Kinzinger out. we got another member of the committee I think is already retired. we got to defeat Loria. But we must have a sweeping victory in the House. And then Republicans have to have the stones to put on a real hearing. And by the way, let the Democrats have a, a ranking member. Let them have a counsel and just get to it. If you look at what Darren Beatty's done on your show alone, it's outrageous what the public doesn't know about this. We, for the good of the system, this has to happen. But in the meantime, you've just been convicted. I, I mean, if the, how do you feel about going to jail? Are you confident you would be safe there, for example? I, I, first off, if I go to jail, I go to jail. I will never back off a second. Look, I spent eight years as a naval officer. I've committed my life to this, pro to this program to get this done. I will never back off. I support Trump and the Constitution, and I'm not backing off one inch. If I go to jail, so be it. But look, we've got a long appeals process. Andy McCarthy did a great hit on Fox earlier today. We've got a long appeals process. I think the law is with us on a number of, of, of situations. I think some of this is really going to be adjudicated, maybe even higher than the appellate courts. I, I'm very confident that we're 100% right on the law, but I'm going to fight this all the way. And this is not the only battle we're fighting. They're coming at us on every aspect. Look, they're trying to shut you down. They're trying to throw off Fox anchors. They're coming for everybody. And people have to understand, oh, right now, this is an ideological war, and we cannot lose. The, 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 the fate of the country is over the next couple of years. And if people just want to go on vacation and say, hey, I'll just let it get sorted out, that's fine. But there are just thousands and thousands and thousands of fighters out there to say, we're not going to back down one inch, and I'm not going to back down one inch at all. Did you think during the course of this trial, maybe you should call Eric Holder and Lois Lerner, both of whom live in Washington, and just say, like, how'd you, how'd you beat this? Like, what, what's the secret sauce here? <laughs> the secret sauce is that they're in power. And also, let's be honest, the Republicans have been controlled opposition. That's what has to change. That's for sure. This November, now we have to, we have to deliver a crushing blow to this Democratic Party apparatus. But then we have to really govern it. And I mean govern on offense. Every committee in the House has to be an oversight committee. We have to go after the Biden administration, which is illegitimate. You can tell they're illegitimate. Look how the Saudis mock us to our face. Look how the Chinese Communist Party have absolutely no respect. They understand he's illegitimate. We have to get in there in January. Every committee's got to be an oversight committee. And we have to have a real January 6th committee, including to get to the staffers now and see about the lies and misrepresentations they put on national television to defame people. You got to, I would tell the January 6th staff right now. Preserve your documents because there's going to be a real committee and this is going to be backed by Republican grassroots voters in MAGA to say we want to get to the bottom of this for the good of the nation. We have to know everything that went on, all the intelligence reports, exactly what went on, what was Ray's involvement, what was FBI asset involvement. I mean, just stuff. Look, just just go to Revolver and see Darren Beatty on your specials and when he's on your when he's on uh, your the Tucker Carlson show. Right there alone leads you to all types of inquiry. We have to get to the bottom two. Yeah. If, you know, Republicans win and Mitch McConnell's still running the Senate, you've got to wonder, like, is it, is it even worth it? Uh, but I'll, I'll let you and the political guys uh, fight that battle. Steve Bennett, I appreciate your coming on tonight of all nights. Thanks very much. Good luck. Thanks, Tucker. Appreciate it. Thanks, brother.
So as he told you, a guy jumped up and tried to stab a sitting member of Congress. That'd be Lee Zeldin of New York, who's running for governor of the state. Now, thankfully, the assailant was tackled before you could commit murder. We're going to tell you a lot more about what happened and its aftermath next. Okay, we'll keep an eye on uh, Tucker Carlson, see if he says anything interesting. But I did some investigative journalism yesterday. I went to Palm Springs and I wanted to find out what was going on with the pre-wet and hot gay orgy, right? It's this big piss kink event that happens in Palm Springs. And like, it's an incredible, incredible attraction. And uh, we got we got an on-the-spot report from, from a sex worker, Babe the Pig Boy. And he lets us know that he caught monkeypox at this event. So his saga begins mid-June when he finally managed to catch COVID. And he, he isolated for three weeks, right? He wasn't able to have any sex. He wasn't able to make any sexually explicit content. I mean, the poor bloke, he was desperate to get back to work. I mean, he's a slut. And sex is both his life and his livelihood. If the guy's not you know, doing sex work, the poor bloke's not paying his bills. So he finally gets back to the swing of things and he attends a friend's birthday party orgy Saturday night. I don't know about you, but every birthday party I, I know, every one that I've ever been to is uh, an orgy. And so everyone had been watching the news on monkeypox, but the general feelings were... You know, they were still developing, all right? The feelings are still developing. So Babe, the pig boy, was not particularly worried. He's just getting back into the swing of things. Saturday, July the 9th, lovely birthday party orgy. And there are only two confirmed cases in his entire county, right? And so this group was all locals. And, and the host of this event was a good friend and a nurse. So he trusted their judgment. And it was a great time. And so uh, Babe, the pig boy, he got to have sex with 20 different men. I mean, you don't get to do that every day. And then in the following days, he was out there being sexually active, right? But he always made sure to check in with his body. That's so important. If you go to a birthday orgy, you have sex with 20 blokes, make sure that afterwards you take the time to check in with your body, right? Become present with your body, all right? Just have a little me time with, with your body. And if you're not experiencing any symptoms, all right, I mean, then get right back to the sex work. Monkeypox is only contagious when you're having symptoms. So the next Monday, he's feeling totally fine. So what do you do when you're feeling totally fine? Well, babe, the pig boy, he likes to film with two daddies. He had a great time, still definitely no symptoms. Then he had plans to go to another orgy on Thursday. So he likes to pace himself. He's not some kind of you know mindless slut. He took three days off leading up to the orgy. He, he wanted to be responsible, minimize any risks of getting or spreading anything. So Thursday comes around and he's, he's pretty, pretty nervous about the old monkeypox. I mean, the conversations are becoming more and more intense. So like a good responsible citizen who's going to a gay orgy, he spends the whole day doing research and reaching out to medical friends to get their opinions. That's so important, guys. If you're going to go to a gay orgy during the time of monkeypox, by all means, spend the day doing research and reach out to your medical friends to get their opinions. And uh, pretty much everyone and everything said the same thing. There's only a few cases in your county. Risks are incredibly low at this point. So he made an educated risk to attend the orgy on Thursday. 
And this was, this is not just any old orgy. This was a piss orgy thrown by some friends, right? It wasn't officially affiliated with the pre-wet and hot orgy being the big piss kink event that, that happens in Palm Springs. But this is his first time in Palm Springs. It'd been canceled the two years prior. I mean, wow, does that get people down when, when the wet and wild, you know, piss gay orgies get canceled by COVID? But now we're free. People are flying into Palm Springs from all over the world, right? Including places where monkeypox was more prevalent to attend this orgy. So Babe the Pig Boy attends the orgy. He has a great time. He guzzles a metric ton of human um, water. He had sex with 15 men, pretty similar to the orgy ad on Saturday. Like, had a great time, met great people, high-quality people. And then he stumbled his piss-drunk ass home. Then Friday, just has a few quick hookups with local guys, just three total. On Saturday, he has a four-way with some local piss pigs. I mean, I think we've all be, <laughs> been there. ...of Congress from New York, Eastern Long Island. He's running for governor of the state against the unelected incumbent. Now, last night, a man called David Jacobonis attempted to stab Zeldin during a campaign event. He charged the stage with a blade. Here's footage of the attack. There's only one option. You're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. So how did this guy know where Zeldin was? Well, days before the attack, Kathy Hochul, once again, who was the governor but has not been elected governor, sent out an email listing Zeldin's upcoming campaign appearances and telling her supporters he's an extremist. Now, if Lee Zeldin's an extremist, then you know, we're all in trouble. She also tweeted that Zeldin is, quote, dangerous for New York. Not just wrong, but dangerous. What a nutcase she is. That's the lady with the vaccinated necklace. After the attack, Lee Zeldin predicted that the man who tried to stab him would get out of jail quickly thanks to New York's bail laws. And that is, of course, exactly what happened. The attacker was released from jail with no bail of any kind. Now, you just saw on the tape that he was tackled, and Joe Chenoweth is the man who did it. He's executive director of American Veterans. He joins us tonight. Joe, thanks so much for coming on, and bless you for what you did. You didn't hesitate at all. D tell us the circumstance. How did you, you seem to have keyed in on this guy right away. How? Yes. So th thanks for having me on, Tucker. Um, so I was the master of ceremonies of the rally last night. I'm also running for New York State Assembly in that area in Fairport. And yep. um, about f about five minutes before the incident, I noticed a, a gentleman walking into the rally, kind of staggering. And it just, he didn't seem right. It was really high energy, a very positive atmosphere, large crowd. And when he came in, it just didn't seem to have the same vibe. And I took notice of that. Uh, I was standing just off stage. Saw him walk up to the edge of the side of the stage where several other people were. He stood there and was watching. Uh, I continued to watch him a little bit as I was continuing to watch the other congressman as well. And then he jumped up onto the stage. Um, I couldn't get to where he was at that time, so I ran around behind the stage came up behind the congressman as I didn't know exactly what this uh, guy's intentions were. As he walked up, uh, I watched him, and he walked directly up to the congressman. Uh, as your viewers just saw, uh, told the congressman that you're done. And then he pulled a weapon that was attached to his hand, and he swung at uh, Congressman Zeldin's face or his throat area. Congressman Zeldin was able to, to block that strike or attempted strike and hold his wrist. 
Uh, as he pulled his wrist back to try to uh, swing again, I grabbed him from behind and was able to bear hug him and slam him down to the ground where we were able to uh, eventually get his weapon away from him and restrain him until law enforcement came. Amazing. Have, have you ever been a cop? How do, you, how do you have such high situational awareness? Um, no, I was a Marine for seven years, active duty. I've oh. uh, been to Iraq and Afghanistan. Oh. <laughs> uh, some of those instincts kicked in um, as well and just was really blessed to uh, be around some really uh, fast-reacting people. Amen. I'm so glad you were there. I impressive. Joe Chenley, thank you very much for coming on tonight. Good luck in your race. Thank you, Tucker. I appreciate it. Of course. So at the very beginning of what has turned into a global debacle in Ukraine, sorry, that's true, Joe Biden promised that there would be a, quote, small price to pay for arming Ukraine. How is that price looking right about now? Well, countries all over the world are collapsing or on the verge of collapse because of rising energy and food costs traced directly to Joe Biden's intervention in that war and the sanctions that he pushed. That's all true. Doug McGregor has the big picture on that next. Hey, Doug McGregor, isn't he a little controversial? So let me let me look up uh, Doug McGregor here while I play a little bit of KMG. Norm. And it has been like this for, well, months in Victoria. Apparently, uh, England has declared a climate emergency uh, because it got hot uh, in July. Uh, that lasted for a few days. It has stopped being hot, particularly hot in Britain. Uh, but um, wasn't I told that weather does not equal climate? Apparently, uh, when it is um, warmer than normal, it's uh, the world's coming to end. When it's significantly colder than normal, and we had all-time historic lows in Victoria and around the island earlier this year, that um, doesn't matter. But uh, I went to the uh, Weather Network, uh, where I discovered that, oh my God, there's going to be a heat dome over British Columbia coming next week. So it's actually going to be, uh, well, hot. And uh, that is a crisis, because uh, apparently it has never gotten hot. Uh, in Canada in the summer before. President Gruesome? Well, stranger things have happened. No, actually, nothing stranger than that has happened in American history. Let's go to Jim Kunstler. His column today, People Get Ready. Pretty soon it's going to be every country for itself in this main event of the fourth turning, a.k.a. the long emergency. Worse is better, Lenin used to explain to his old Bolshevik cohorts in their vicious pursuit of power. Is there any question now that this is the same operational formula? So this is James Howard Kunstler, and... He just delights in the end of the world, right? He just delights in the prospects of, of America absolutely falling apart. And so, yeah, Doug McGregor, very controversial. All these uh, articles online saying what a big anti-Semite he is. But, you know, what kind of person you know, resonates with the collapse of everything? Like, you'd think only a miserable person could produce what James Howard Kunstler produces and it would seem to me any miserable person is going to resonate with this. So every week, it's all about the end of the world, the end of America, you know, everything absolutely falling apart. I mean, week in, week out, that's James Howard Kunstler, but as KMG points out, he only has to be right once. So I guess he can be wrong hundreds and hundreds of times, but if he's right once, right, that uh, let's say America does fall apart, then he predicted it. Of the shadowy crew behind Joe Biden in his mission to turn the American Republic into a branch office of the Schwalpenklausian transhuman techno tyranny. Joe B is doing his part to personally make things worse by taking Paxlovid, the Pfizer wonder drug that wondrously amps up COVID-19 symptoms and extends the course of the illness. As recently admitted by that other eminent double boosted COVID-19 sufferer, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the sage of US public health. 
If White House doctors follow the CDC's treatment protocol, they'll soon put JB on remdesivir. Naturally, it kills him. State funeral. Boo-hoo. 46 is entombed under the will. Right, so he's looking forward to Joe Biden dying. I mean, this is what he, he fantasizes. This is uh, James Howard Custer's fantasy life, that uh, everything goes to hell. Huntington Amtrak station. My political fantasy du jour. Bless Kamala accedes to greatness. She must then appoint a new vice president. That would be, wait for it, California Governor Gavin Newsom. Who else? He was recently captured on video skulking into a back door of the West Wing while Joe Biden was out of town schmoozing up the honchos of Saudi Arabia. Governor Newsom is easily confirmed in the House and narrowly in the Senate when Mitt Romney and Lisa Murkowski vote with the party of chaos. Kamala soon resigns, citing anxiety problems. Now president, Newsom proceeds to accelerate the wrecking of the old USA along the lines of his recent work in California. All D.C. gas stations are ordered shut to promote the transition to renewables. The D.C. mall is declared the national homeless camp. Hunsler continues... I called it a fantasy, but this may be the only move left as the nation utterly loses its patience with the Joe Biden fiasco and the escalating disorders of Western Civ take us into August. The midterm election must be revamped at all costs. Right. It's important to ask, why do I resonate with the stories I resonate with? Like, if you just resonate to stories of doom, like, why do you resonate to stories of doom? If you resonate to stories that show that the Democrats are bad people, why do you resonate to those? If you resonate to stories about how Republicans are going to crush everyone in their path, why do you resonate to that? If you if you have a favorite verse in the Bible, if you have a, a favorite character in the Bible, like, why do you resonate with that, right? Because we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. The position of the observer is an integral part of the data. And so when you just love doom and gloom or when you just love you know hate porn like what is it doing for you right it's obviously meeting some need it's kind of I, my my bottom line guess is that it's releasing you from taking responsibility for your life it's releasing you from taking responsibility for your own problems you can say look there are these dark nefarious forces that are you know ruling the world and soon everyone else is going to be as miserable as me i remember when i was a little kid there were two occasions when i was about six years of age when i lit fires and and i figure trying to understand why i did such reckless things that uh, when i was six and seven i was pretty miserable and I wanted the outside world to match my inside world. Let's go back to Tucker. Standard that investment firms apply to potential investments. And basically, the more left-wing an idea is, the higher its ESG score. Now, we have noticed, because it's hard not to notice, that countries with really high ESG scores tend to implode. <laughs> and they're imploding now. That would include Panama, ESG score 95. Protesters are now blockading the streets in Panama to protest food shortages. It also includes Sri Lanka, ESG score of 98. Food prices there have nearly doubled because the government banned fertilizers. It would also include Germany, the economic engine of Europe, ESG score of 90, where they're turning off traffic lights to save energy. Now, Biden doesn't seem to notice any of these countries exist. Instead, he's following their lead. He's pushing the United States toward renewables. He's also calling for more sanctions on Russia. You have to kind of wonder where we're going to wind up if that happens. Retired Colonel Douglas McGregor is a combat veteran, former senior advisor to the Secretary of Defense, and one of our favorite guests. Doug, thanks so much for coming on tonight. So you are a, an expert on Germany, uh, just to narrow it down. Tell us what's happening in Germany. No one seems to have noticed this, but I know that you have. Well, first, let's, uh, let's review the bidding a little bit here and point out that all governments are expected to provide as a minimum to their people food, shelter, and security. And yes. everyone who's embraced this uh, Davos World Economic Forum 
program that you talked about, this environmental social guidance, is in a lot of trouble, and Germany is no exception. Uh, we've seen problems already in the Netherlands with farmers. We see the truckers in Canada. These are symptoms of deep-seated problems, all of which have been exacerbated by the Ukraine conflict. And remember, Biden made the decision to drag everyone in Western Europe into this perpetual conflict with a nation that has an abundance of resources. It has virtually everything that everyone in the world needs at some point, food, minerals, metals, and so forth. So that's, that was a, a stupid idea, but there is no plan B. Now, Germany in particular shot itself in the foot with energy by essentially eliminating nuclear power, by fundamentally rejecting as much oil and gas as possible to try and go completely green. Well, now they're facing the winter of all discontents, frankly. They're going to freeze because the Russians have said, fine, and cut them off. And why have the Russians cut them off? Because they foolishly followed us and have supplied the Ukrainians with weapons. So we've put everything, all of our credibility, the world economy, all on this one chip called Ukraine. How is that going? Well, I think we're seeing the beginning of the end of the dollar-based global economy. We weaponized the global monetary system that we largely dominate and control. Now India, China, Iran, many other countries, not just Russia, people in Latin America are beginning to say, why should we do business with these Americans? Why do we have to do business in the dollar? So dollar-denominated business is very much at risk. But we are we're lagging a little bit behind, as you point out, the Europeans. But the same crises are coming in our direction. When food, fuel, and medicine become either too expensive or scarce, things begin to fall apart. And this government has no answers. And here's the bad news. The probable successors to this government in the United States and the governments in Europe, they also don't have any answers. These problems yeah. run deep. And they're all doubling down on failure. We learn nothing from Europe's disastrous experiment with mass migration or its disastrous experiment with getting rid of fossil fuels. We need new leadership. Doug McGregor, a wise man. I appreciate you coming on tonight. Thanks. So speaking of mass migration, how bad is the border crisis? Well, hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens from around the world were apprehended at our southern border last month. That's the fourth month in a row where the number of migrant apprehensions exceeded 200,000. And that's just the illegal immigrants we're aware of. So many people are crossing the border right now that the mayors of New York and Washington have told us for years that they love illegal migration are now coming out and saying their cities can't handle all these new people using their services. But our DHS secretary announced this week in Aspen, Aspen, of course, Aspen, that there's no problem at all. High up in the mountains, Mayorkas told us the border is secure. Is the border safe? Now I was watching a news channel and they were talking about an invasion was happening and I got a little concerned. Look, <laughs> um, the border, the border is secure. Imagine that. What a moronic question. Then the titters from the audience. Oh, they're saying it's an invasion just because we have millions of people whose identities we don't know coming across every year. Adam Laxalt recently went to the border. He's the former attorney general of the state of Nevada. He's running for Senate there. He found that smugglers are raping women and leaving behind their underwear to taunt authorities, among other atrocities. Watch. 
In this instance, for example, you see a bra. What that is an indicator to us is that the smugglers purposely placed those there to signal that there had been a rape in this location. Uh, many, many times they do that, and it's a science, it's a way to taunt us. Adam Laxalt joins us tonight. Adam, thanks so much for coming on. So how do you contrast what Mayorkas is saying, literally in Aspen, he's in Aspen, it's also nauseating. How do you contrast that with what you saw on the actual border? You know, not only Mayorkas, but Senator Masto, who I'm running against, says that we do not have an open border. And I could tell you to see this stuff up close and personal, uh, we should never yield this ground that their open border policies is the humanitarian way. This policy is leading to one of the greatest humanitarian crises our country has ever faced. Uh, you played the video about the, the rapes of women that are going on at these borders. You know, I went with local law enforcement and they, they showed me a mobile morgue. They have so many bodies of people dying coming over from the border that they needed extra assets to carry these dead bodies. And so these people that claim to take the high ground, the same people that claim the high ground on all the issues, they're failing Americans. They, these are Biden's bodies. These policies are leading to dead bodies, women being raped and trafficked, fentanyl overdoses. It's a absolute travesty and we have to get our leaders to pay attention to this and your opponent is denying this is even happening this is what they do right she's actually gone as far as running commercials that she's been a champion her whole career fighting against human trafficking and she's able to flood the airways with millions of dollars from liberals from across the country to lie to our voters when the truth of the matter is we all know the source of human trafficking, right? It's called an open border. These are the policies right. they support, and it's absolutely inhumane. Every person coming across our border has paid a cartel, every single one. So it's human trafficking absolutely. by definition. Adam Laxalt, running for absolutely. Senate in Nevada. Thank you. Thank you. So the verdict is kind of in on the vaccine. There's no sane person would mandate it for children. And yet schools all over the country are continuing the COVID mandates. There are serious side effects here. How is this allowed? And who is going to be legally liable for its consequences? Naomi Wolf joins us next. The matter is, we all know the source of... Look, this guy's got no neck. He really needs Alexander technique. Not just like... Tucker Carlson's got a long, free neck. He must have taken Alexander Technique lessons. But this guy, he, he doesn't have much of a neck. He, his head is just kind of jammed down onto his torso. And, and notice, like, the, the monotonous way he speaks. I mean, this guy's life could be transformed by the Alexander Technique. Now, allow him to let go of the unnecessary tension and compression that he's got going on his neck. When, when you've got tension and compression in your neck, right, that sends tension and compression throughout your body because there are more joints, bones connecting with bones in your neck than anywhere else in the body. So he's got all this compression and tension. He's got Kermit the Frog voice, right? His voice is just strangled, flat, and, and a monotone. And his, his head's just kind of pulled down onto his spine, I mean, this bloke could really benefit from Alexander Technique. But look at Tucker. He's, like, nice and up. Lots of upward direction. I mean, that's why he's so free and easy. What a beautiful thing. Okay, the, the point number one about justice becoming politicized. So 
how, how I understand that is that uh, Tucker's complaining the left is more effective, right? The left is more effective at getting what they want. And so it's a good question. Do you put your principles before your interests? And sometimes it's right to put principles before interests, but if your group consistently puts principles before its interests, it's going to die out. It's, it's maladaptive to 100% of the time put your your principles, your ideological commitments, your intellectual commitments, your, your moral uh, faith commitments ahead of your group's interests. And so if what Tucker's saying is fair and accurate, then he's saying that the left is more effective at promoting their interests, while the Republicans uh, seem to be wasting more of their resources standing up for principles of constitutional government. Now, at the same time, I believe that if you're on the left, you could just as easily make a, a powerful video about how you're getting screwed over, right? Every group can think of itself as, as the victim. So I, I'm not sure that Republicans and conservatives have objectively you know, that much of a stronger case than other groups for feeling like a victim. It's just a universal part of the human condition. But you know who the real victims are? It's California's LGBT community. They're feeling ignored, angry, confused as monkeypox cases rise. Well, feel, feel angry, confused no more. Don't feel ignored anymore because I am here, right, and I recognize you, and I'm willing to talk to you about monkeypox, all right? There's this stunning, easy trick to avoid getting monkeypox, and that is don't participate in gay orgies. And so this notion that there's an LGBTQ community, uh, homosexual men and homosexual women have almost nothing in common, right? It's not lesbians who are out there getting monkeypox. It's not the trans community that's getting monkeypox. It's not the bi community, by and large, that's out there getting monkeypox, all right? There's no LGBT community. These groups have almost nothing in common. Right? It's overwhelmingly a small section of the gay community, like uh, like this uh, this bloke who babe babe pig boy. All right, so he goes to a lot of orgies, has sex with a lot of guys. Right, this tiny subset of the gay industry of the gay communities out there getting COVID. So he mourns that after all the orgies he's been to, he's come down with monkeypox. Really sad. So Friday, he has, remember, let's get back to Friday. He has a few quick hookups with local guys, just three total. And then Saturday, he has a four-way with some local piss pigs. Absolutely nothing on Sunday. Like a traditional religious guy takes Sundays off from the piss orgies. Now he does make plans to film the following Thursday rather than on Monday when he usually films. All right, come Monday, surprisingly, his cough seems to have come back. He just thought he was experiencing that intermittent long COVID cough. But this time it was back with a vengeance, right? So he now determines, I'm going to wait till Thursday to have sex. I mean, what a righteous man. Tuesday is when the monkeypox hits the fan. Cough is still bad, but come evening, a wave of exhaustion hits me. I get in bed around 7.30. And I realize I can feel the heat coming off my skin. I must have a fever. It's starting to sink in now. I screw my courage and reach down and feel around my hole. And there it is, little bumps on the inside of my, my butt, butt, butt cheeks. He has the pox. 
Now, like a responsible citizen, he immediately messages his doctor to let him know, tell him, I'm going to call my local disease control tomorrow. Stupidly, I'm hoping they can retroactively give me the vaccine to at least make this not as severe. But if you're already having symptoms, there's no point. I mean, what kind of country is it where people can't repeatedly go to orgies and not come down with something? Why why haven't our public health officials, you know, gotten these people vaccinated by now? And the poor guy is feeling worse and worse as the night goes on. He's scorting to the touch. Even under three blankets, he can't get warm. Every time he stands up, his head throbs, the room spins. He's just so sad and upset to have this literally right after COVID and he did nothing wrong but have sex with about 50 blokes. But now it's my second full day of symptoms. He went and got tested, all right, and it is monkeypox. And uh, it was clear I had my exposure at the Thursday orgy with all the out-of-towners. As far as I can tell, I didn't pass it on to anyone. All of you who are able to get the vaccine voluntarily, please do so. And he concludes, it's reductive to tell gay people to not have sex, right? It didn't work in the early days of AIDS. Well, whose fault is that? It's clearly not working now. Do your best to make educated choices. Check your county's case numbers frequently. And if you can, avoid groups and anonymous encounters. I mean, if you can, right? If you can avoid or- orgies, right? Gay orgies. If you can avoid gay orgies, then probably give it the big skip. And so this comes after two and a half years of the government, you know, issuing all these dictates on how we should conduct ourselves Right. So Matt Walsh blog still waiting for gay men who are having random sex with strangers during the monkeypox outbreak to get lectured and scolded by public health authorities the way that the rest of us did for going to grocery stores and restaurants during COVID. So people got arrested for going paddle boarding in the ocean. Right? People got arrested for the most ridiculous things. Right? Regular people are lectured, scolded, arrested, fined for, for doing completely innocuous things during COVID. But Nobody will say in the public health community, don't participate in gay sex orgies during the monkeypox outbreak. And yet, California's LGBT community feels ignored, angry, and confused as monkeypox cases rise. Antonio Palacios recovered from COVID in early June, just like uh, Babe Pig Boy, just in time for back-to-back weekends at Southern California's largest Pride celebrations. All right, so they don't cancel any of these gay events during a monkeypox epidemic. I mean, how how responsible, you know, are these segments of that community? He immersed himself in the gay community. He immersed himself in these huge pride celebrations we needed to be together we needed to have that release he said then he got a call from men he just recently started dating i mean we're talking old-fashioned courtship here i mean we're talking chaperones we're talking just like in a jane austen novel right so a man he's been dating informs him that uh he he caught monkeypox and he should get himself checked out such old-fashioned Jane Austen-style courtship. We're ending the week with good news. Thousands of beagles who are being tortured at a so-called research facility have now been ordered free, and they are. Sorry, Tony Fauci. The beagles are free, and we're going to celebrate after the break. Wow. Thank God. Some good news. The, the beagles, guys. The beagles are free, and there's a massive piss orgy going on in, in Palm Springs. So, like, let us count our blessings. 
right? You probably feel like, look, Forty, we need to be get together. We need to have that release. So LGBTQ activists, right? Remember, they've got nothing in common, all these different acronyms, right? It's not lesbians out there having massive orgies. But LGBT activists and health leaders have been sounding the alarm about monkeypox for weeks, saying they were inadequately prepared. But uh, they're saying we need a better response to the outbreak, especially efforts to get more vaccines. So no willingness to say people should dial back on the pesque orgies. No, no lectures about, hey, reduce the anonymous sex. All right? It's all about, oh, we need to get more vaccines so people can get out there, right, and have more unprotected anal sex. Like, don't ask me not to have unprotected anal sex and drink the piss of 30 random gay guys every week without expecting to get a weird disease. We, we should not ask such things of our fellow citizens. Like, how dare we, right? They're a protected group. No one gets to make any demands on them. And I thought Doug McGregor was excellent there, that Tucker Carlson segment. So I don't care if there are articles online saying he's some anti-Semite. He made a lot of sense to me. All right, let's get some more of the doom from James Howard Kunstler. To save our democracy. A new pandemic is declared in early October, complete with lockdowns. Well, Google partners with Facebook to roll out a new vote by phone app. By some miracle then, the Democrats had 30 more seats to their House majority and five in the Senate. We enter the new frontier of the Green New Deal and build back better. In other words, the USA completely collapses. This is a dark scenario, I confess, but doesn't that seem exactly where things are going? An Howard epic crack is upon us. Every place in the world is primed for meltdown, and a few lands in the periphery are already sinking. Sri Lanka is broke and out of gas after being set up as a WEF, Schwaubenklaus, low-carbon echo state. So virtually every Friday, Kevin Michael Grace begins his show for the James Howard Kunstler column of the week. I mean, what type of people resonate with this? Experiment. Panama is in revolt over extreme government corruption, food scarcity, and the after effects of an especially severe two-year-long COVID lockdown that the rest of the world hardly heard about, perhaps because China has operational control. Wow. Why did the world not hear about what was going on in Panama? Why does the world not hear about what's going on in Sudan? People in the chat are saying, look, is the New York Times hiding what's going on in Sudan? What happens in Panama and Sudan doesn't have much effect on the rest of the world. In particular, as long as the Panama Canal is still operating, nothing else matters, all right? Panama has very little effect on the rest of the world. Sudan has very little effect on the rest of the world. The entire African continent could disappear into the ocean tomorrow, and it wouldn't affect your life, right? Most people elsewhere in the world would not be affected. Africa is a continent, and Panama is a nation-state. They produce almost nothing that's important for the rest of the world. So that's why there's no news about it. It's not some you know, giant malicious conspiracy where the Chinese Communist Party is paying off the New York Times to not report on these pressing issues. All over the vital Panama Canal, and the CCP has operational control over the World Health Organization, which set up Panama as a lockdown lab project. Not true. Many minerals come from Africa, bro. Yeah, we'd never be able to get these minerals anywhere else. Come on, man. The reason that we get so many minerals from Africa is that other nations have more productive use for, the, for their soil. Right? Rare earth minerals are rarely rare. Right? It's just a name that's given to, to a certain type of you know, farming of the soil that is generally not economic. And only you know, particularly backward countries is that going to be economic. 
Of course, Europe is suddenly a magnificent mess with governments falling like duckpins, industry shuttered from lack of fuel, and citizens rising up against insane WEF diktats to drastically reduce livestock and shut down farming. In effect, declaring food production an unacceptable environmental hazard. And I will have more about that, uh, the deep greens, uh, later in this program. This, of course, after the governments of Euroland cut their own throats by self-sanctioning themselves out of Russian oil and nat gas. It's especially bizarre in Germany, the largest economy of the region, which had just this year... Okay, so why does someone watch my show, watch Kevin Michael Grace's show, or watch any other dissident show? Because you want to get a discussion of topics and, and news stories and ideas that you don't feel get a fair discussion in, in the mainstream media. All right, so this is a dissident show. And dissidents, generally speaking, are not terribly effective in the outside world. So when people struggle with reality, then they feel more and more temptation to blame their problems on dark, sinister outside forces. So if you're going to be a distant streamer, you're going to overwhelmingly tend to have an audience that is into conspiracy theories for which there's no evidence. Now, I believe there are conspiracy theories that are accurate, but in common parlance, they're not called conspiracy theories. 9-11 was a conspiracy theory. Al-Qaeda plotted. There was a conspiracy to carry out 9-11. But when we talk about conspiracy theories, the way that term is used, it is for theories for which there simply lacks strong evidence, such as that the 9-11 towers, that was an inside job by, by the U.S. government. So when I'm talking about conspiracy theories, I'm not literally talking about conspiracy theories. I'm talking about those conspiracy theories for which there's no evidence. So what type of person gets heavily invested in conspiracy theories for which there is not strong evidence? Someone for whom they are strongly incentivized to remove themselves as much as possible from reality. Like if you're in a bad financial situation or at least an unimpressive financial situation, like vagueness is a great temptation because if you get leveled up with reality, you'll see how dire your financial situation is. And that will be a bummer, right? If you level up with reality and the results are that you're in a pretty bad place or you're dramatically underachieving, right? You will feel strong incentives to increasingly remove yourself from reality and live in a fantasy land. And you want to be able to explain your misfortunes and how you haven't gotten ahead as you should have as a result of dark forces, right? And you want to know the truth, right? You're the, the proud, brave truth seeker. And so you're willing to look reality right in the face. And so you're looking for the magic key that unlocks how the world really works because you're smarter. You're more morally sensitive, right? You're more attuned to what's really going on. You're the deep thinker. Right. And so with that kind of you know, narcissistic need for propping yourself up by believing that you have the magic key for how the world works, one gets strongly incentivized to believe in all sorts of ridiculous theories, such as what uh, James Howard Kunstler spills out every week. Inclusively realized and admitted that its green energy policy was a complete bust, forcing them to shut down major wind turbine installations and resort to producing electricity with coal. The governments of Merkel and then Olaf Scholz reveal themselves as the sheerest hypocritical idiots. And now the grounding is the ground is even shifting under the CCP as China's extravagant matrix of city building, mortgage debt, and banking fraud rattles its financial system. What a surprise! Potent as it has been in bribing politicians around the world, infiltrating governments and cultural institutions in every land, in getting the news media to do their bidding, the CCP is apparently losing its grip on the Chinese people, who are sick of being locked down, tracked, and swindled. The tanks are out. This is not the same movie as Tiananmen Square 1989. This is the CCP bankruptcy, an epic event that will thunder through the global south, sending Africa into famine and chaos and South America into yet another rotation of elites. Kunstler concludes, 
pretty soon it's going to be every country for itself in this main event of the fourth turning, a.k.a. the long emergency. Global unity is a mirage, along with all the preposterous narratives of a world government. And in every country for itself, it's going to be every community, every family, every person for itself until, emergently and painfully, everyday life can be reorganized from the ground up. People get ready. So what do we know about... So why why do people love this kind of doom talk? Like, what need is it meeting? Because week in, week out, James Howard Kunstler is simply wrong. Like, completely disconnected from reality. A few weeks ago, he, he was writing a column about how China, this spooky talk about China invading Japan, Australia, and the United States mainland simultaneously. About this uh, Gavin Newsom character. Well, he's uh, certainly uh, handsome and well-groomed. I'll give him that. Uh, he was uh, born in 1967, attended Redwood High School, and graduated from Santa Clara. Wow. Okay. So let's have a look at J.F. Agara P. here. He's talking about the new Lauren Southern documentary. I'm not fully critical of this movie. I think it's excellent that she did it. Uh, because she had things on her heart, and there are things that are relevant in there. There are new statements that we have to know about the Paul Joseph Watson, the Milo of this world. It's good to know all this. Very good, and I'm not, criti I'm not critical of her doing it. I think it's excellent information, and it should interest everyone. However, there is still some kind of a... There is a lack of... There is a proper diagnosis of some pathological things by Lauren Southern, but she lacks insight into how do we fix this and who is the problem really because she says the dissident right has a problem as far as i'm concerned paul joseph watson tommy robinson alex jones and her and and ezra levant do not constitute the dissident right <laughs> it's like she's she's hung out with the okay so jf says that uh, lauren southern doesn't get it right she lacks insight right so what type of insight are people most likely to lack right it's those insights that make you reassess yourself to recognize what a significant role that you have played in your own troubles, right? Those are the insights that people tend to want to avoid. And this is just as true for JF P and for me and for Lauren Sullivan. Like, I think of myself as a courageous truth teller. I think of myself as heroic, right? I think I'm brave, that, that I would just go, you know, where, where the facts lead. But uh, I'm sure there are all sorts of truths, all sorts of aspects of reality that, that I don't want to face up to because it would cause me some, some painful reassessment. So, yeah, uh, Lauren Southern doesn't really grapple with her own role in her own misfortune. And uh, JF Garapi, I'm going to suspect, doesn't really grapple with how he has been completely captured by, by his audience and how he's just relaying like a lot of bogus nonsense. Like he, he had his mind completely changed on vaccines. I remember in January of this year, his mind uh, was completely changed on vaccines as a result of an article by a couple of anti-vax activists, right? Not by anyone with any expertise in the field, but because it aligns with the audience and aligns with, you know, what he's feeling right now, you know, he says his mind's completely changed by a, a completely bogus uh, paper, right? He, he will, there's absolutely nothing that he won't believe if it, if he feels incentivized to do so to please his audience. So uh, JF Garapi used to be a serious intellectual and he'd completely given it up and 
proviso i've i've seen less than one percent heard less than one percent of what jfkrp has produced over the last four years so maybe maybe there are things that that uh I, i'm missing but when when jf here is going to go up on lauren southern do you think he's going to have any introspection about his own downward spiral most toxic people in uh, attention gathering on the internet and now she's okay toxic people does that does that apply to you I mean, certainly applies to me at times, right? So it's uh, it's really easy to say, oh, those people out there, they're the toxic ones. But to what extent does toxic apply to you? Does it apply to me? Or is it just that toxicity, that's just something that other people struggle with, that other people are reflected with? But I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm never toxic, right? Surprised that they take cocaine and they get prostitutes and they want to sleep with her. It's like, holy shit, Lauren, if, if only you knew how bad things really are. The problem is you've been hanging out with the wrong people. I mean, she's been hanging out with the wrong people on the distant right. Like the distant right is really filled with honest truth seekers by, by people who are you know, not at all degenerate. It's filled with people like J.F. Garapi, people who seek the truth, uh, traditionalists, you know, very moral people. And and the whole problem is that Lauren Southern didn't hang out with the right people in the distant right. That's what people used to tell me for years in the porn industry. It's like, oh, look, you're just hanging out with the wrong people in the porn industry. There are all these ascended spiritual masters in the porn industry. They're always like great family people, like really honest, straightforward, you know, admirable souls in the porn industry. There are all these moral exemplars in the porn industry. And 40, you're just hanging out with the wrong people. So Lauren Southern, right, that's... That's why she had so many bad experiences in the distant right. She was just hanging out with the wrong people. She'd been hanging out with people like J.F. Garapi. She wouldn't have these problems, right? Her life would be all bubblegum and blowjobs. And it hurts me at the end of this movie where she says, there's no one who really cares about the truth in the distant right. Hello, I'm here. I talked to you in... J.F., come on, man. You stopped caring about the truth years ago. Right? You, you'll buy you know, the most absurd nonsense because that's how you get paid, right? You feed your audience absolute nonsense that it wants to hear. And then don't stand up and say, oh, you know, I care about the truth. You don't give a damn about the truth. The truth is your enemy. You will believe the most bogus made up crap if it feeds what your audience wants to hear. You sold out to your audience years ago. You gave up on the pursuit of truth years ago. It's like, that, don't stand here and say, here I am, you know, a seeker of truth. Come on, man. DMs, Lauren. Back in the days, we were inviting you on Blood Sports. When you, when you took your hiatus, I, I told you, uh, good, good luck with your hiatus, and I hope it goes well for you. And whenever you want to come back to the internet, come and we'll do an interview. There are people who care about the truth and the dissident right. You just didn't cultivate them. Like who? I mean, I I'm sure there are, but they're relatively few and far between. What what's sad for me particularly, who used to have respect for some of the more thoughtful people in the distant right, is how little they read contrary or challenging views. It seems that most people in the distant right have increasingly retreated you know, into their own echo chambers. Not Richard Spencer, to his credit. Richard Spencer engages with contrary views. That's what makes him more interesting than almost anyone in the distant right. That's your problem, Lauren. You... you... You cultivated the worst of it, and you didn't care about... Oh, this was the worst of it? Right? It's not the people who 
uh, planning on, you know, blowing up whole cities and, you know, unleashing massive weapons of mass destruction, right? But uh, Ezra Levant and Rebel Media are, are the worst of it. Or poor Joseph Watson, who wants to bang Lauren Southern and then gets miffed. I mean, come on, that's not the worst of it. There are a lot of far darker, more dangerous groups and individuals in the distant right than the ones that she encountered. People like me, and I'm not even complaining. It's like, I don't want to make this little show tonight as, why don't you speak to me, Lauren? Because I don't care, and I understand that I'm so small. And even back when I was inviting her at 20,000 views a video, I was, I was to a certain extent still too small for her. So I'm not saying tonight she should have contacted me or she should have accepted my interview invitations to her. I don't care and I understand the business of it. But don't come and complain that there is no one who cares about the truth in the dissident, right? And then I look at your decisions throughout the, throughout the, throughout your... So who does care about the truth? Like, JF, if you care about the truth, like you say, well, when are you presenting truth that pisses off your audience? So I, I've had major donors to the show who, who want to come in here and relay all sorts of conspiracy theories. And I... I challenge them and people don't like to get challenged. Like when do you challenge your audience? Like I infuriate my audience regularly because I actually try to pursue the truth, but I know I've got blind spots. I know that there are truths I, I don't want to see, but I, I don't see JF infuriating his audience. I don't see JF you know, risking anything for the truth. He's, he's found this you know, snug echo chamber where he speaks to people who share his point of view. And uh, I, I just, I'm not aware of him risking anything for the truth in the last few years. What am I missing? Your career and you have farmed and you have cultivated only those toxic people and you have ignored the people who are more genuinely. Uh, and so how are these other people toxic and you're not and, and I'm not? Like, I mean, it's really painful and embarrassing. How, how can I be toxic? I tend to be a very cynical person, right? I tend to enjoy trading very cynical jokes and that can have a dispiriting effect on people. It can even be toxic, right? I, I tend to be quite suspicious of uh, a lot of the pronouncements of religious leaders, right? And my suspicion and cynicism can be toxic. Uh, I, I believe in reporting at times on the private lives of public figures. You can make a case for, for that being toxic. Uh, I can get incredibly self-absorbed and attention-seeking, and, and my antics uh, can, can become toxic, all right? So instead of just saying all oh, these other people are toxic, then what's the role of toxicity on your own show and in your own life, JF? Where is the introspection? Where is the ability to step outside yourself and try to have a look at you from an outside perspective interested in right-wing ideas and interested in the truth i mean i i'm disappointed that she cast a whole umbrella over the so-called dissident right and okay then tell us who are the truth seekers in the distant right right if it's so filled with truth seekers then name some i mean number one you named yourself which i don't find convincing at all given the credulous perspective you have for things that will bind you to your audience right so i, I don't i don't see the truth seeking from from jf so who are all these truth seekers jf basically uh i mean there's kind of a there's an ethnic 
overrepresentation in the people that she complains about as being cocaine addicts and liars and exploiters. It's like, yeah, <laughs> those are not dissident right thinkers. They are people who have surfed and who have drifted on an actual intellectual movement, and you have drifted with them. Okay, who are the dissident right intellectuals, JF? Name them. Name these truth seekers. To some extent. And, I, I, you know, I'm saying this while also acknowledging the quality of what Lauren Southern has been producing. She's been doing uh, some of the greatest stuff visually that the right has ever produced in this whole era. I love what the, the Torah says. Do not follow your eyes after which you prostitute yourself. Right? There's absolutely no connection between that which is visually compelling and that which is true, profound, good, beautiful, or important. It's like there's absolutely no connection between getting 20,000 views on a video and saying anything that is important, true, good, or beautiful. Congratulations to her, but let us not mistake what has been going on for the last six years. There are actual intelligent people interested in the truth, and then there are, for each of them, there. Okay, he said this 20 times already, but he's unable to name anyone but himself. Why? If there are all these people who are brave truth seekers, why can't you name any, Jay? There are 99 grifters who can gather more views. So when people say grifter, it just, it really means I don't want to think anymore. It really means I resent that other people are more successful than I am getting money that I think belongs to me. And I'm, I'm sure I probably use the term grifter, but it's checking out from thinking. Right? Grifter has absolutely no objective meaning. It's purely a slur. It's a lazy man's slur. It says, I don't want to think. I don't want to struggle with anything difficult. I just want to stay in my hug box. Right? I just want to stay in my little corner where people reflect back to me my my type of views who can gather more attention and who can gather more money and you've only been hanging out with the with the grifters because that that, that was the business and that was your business lauren i mean uh, she says that she hates it okay and so jeff how are you not a grifter or how, how am i not a grifter right it's not like there's this category of grifters out there and then i'm just the brave truth teller Right. Where, where's the self-awareness, the in introspection? That when people point out that she's just a blonde and a cute-looking blonde, and that's why she reached fame, but that's what it is. I mean, there's. N I mean, I could have I could have produced anything that she's ever produced, and I wouldn't have reached one uh, percent of her audience. It's quite simple. People love to see cute blondes, and you know what people love as much as cute blondes. They love having their prejudices defended and articulated, and that's JS business model. He defends and articulates the prejudices of uh, of losers, generally speaking, right? People who are failing at life, who try to s calm their worries and their frustrations by believing in ridiculous conspiracy theories, and there's an enormous audience to to feed off of. You know, conspiracy nonsense. She tints her hair blonde because that's the demand of the audience. Anyways, let's let's read. And how do you compromise for the demands of the audience, JF? How have you deformed yourself? How have you sacrificed? Right? How have you given up your scholarly credentials? Like, how have you morally, spiritually, socially compromised yourself to give the audience what it wants? When did you last go up against your audience? Like, when, when have you been willing to risk alienating your audience by telling it uncomfortable truths that would be good for them, but you don't want to do it because it destroy your business model? If you the whole thing, 
I will uh, dig through the various timestamps and I will try to explain what I remember from her statement. Mark says, Jeff, what, when was the documentary released? It was released two days ago on YouTube. It's called The Whole Truth. It has this little, uh, you know, quality documentary feel to it. But at the same time, it's really just her being captured in the forest speaking for three hours. Uh, that's basically what the documentary is with some degree of editing and some degree of flashbacks. So we see her rise as a Rebel News contributor. Uh, very interesting to see her have an outlook on her meteoric rise. You know, she says, people say I'm a good-looking blonde and that's why I'm popular, but I worked hard for this. And I'm like, <laughs> this is so naive. Uh, you worked hard, okay, but men, men who would work that hard just wouldn't become that popular. Uh, with your takes, which are not top, but they're not bottom either, you have... And what about your takes, JF? Where, where do they fit? All right, so I'm not a terribly original thinker. Right uh, at my best, I can, I can relay some, some uh, ideas that I've heard that you may not have otherwise heard. Uh, you know, occasionally I'll, I'll come with something uh, that I think is unique, but uh, JF is you know, judging everybody else. Where's the introspection? Where is the self-awareness to? You know, look at himself from an outside perspective. Average takes, and you have a good drive for honest journalism. A guy who comes on the scene with that kind of characteristics uh, would make 1% of your audience. Thomas Award says, I'll say it again. If JF wants to do a deep dive into Lauren Sutton, he should have a live stream with Oliver Klozoff and Mike Hawk. It's what the fans on the live chat would want. I don't know who are these people. Uh, I've heard their name. They were mentioned to me, but you'd have to explain to me why I should talk to these people. What, what's their relationship to her? In any case, Personally, I, I go through the whole, uh, the whole truth of Florence Southern, and I believe her first-hand testimony, you know? I believe that Paul Joseph Watson tried to fuck her. I believe that one of her fans flied her in the U.S., reserved the Airbnb for her, and wanted to fuck her. Yeah, you know, it's... <laughs> We're all naive. I had this attractive girlfriend, and a man twice her age wanted to take her to dinner to talk about social activism. And so she thought the guy wanted to tap her thoughts on social activism. Really, he just wanted to tap her. She was appalled, appalled. Right? She was disgusted. Like, what the hell? What was he thinking? And I'm like, what were you thinking? You really think that a guy's going to take you to dinner to, to get your ideas on social activism? And this is where it, it credits to her for credits to her for uh, making this because she looks naive and it looks bad this video and yet she felt that it was honest to do and credits to her because it's true she does look naive so the first the first big story is that when she was part of rebel news there's a guy who says i love your videos it's like someone who loves your videos masturbates to your videos if you're a woman okay so the guy says i love your videos so much i want you i want to see you produce a video in my town I will pay for the, the ticket. I will reserve a bed for you in a B Airbnb, under, which was like a bed under a stairs in someone's house. <laughs> and she gets into this whole situation while not understanding at 19 years old that this meant sex. So a guy masturbates to your videos and he flies you to his hometown to a bed that he has paid himself. That is sex, Lauren. Now, of course, she says, now I get it because I'm older, but she didn't understand this. And this is why you're stricken by this whole video. It's like the whole naive Canadian cutie just goes and learns about the world. <laughs> Woman moment, says Nicolas Petris. Yes. So, I mean, and then you, you ask her. I mean, is she any more naive than, than you, who, who has this self-understanding of yourself as a brave truth seeker, 
when in reality you've allowed yourself to be completely captured by your audience and you seem to have no self-awareness of this, no introspection about this. So it's really easy to see where other people are naive. I mean, how naive are you, JF, about yourself? Like, how naive am I? Maybe I should be using this time, you know, going out there, do more volunteering. Maybe I should take on more clients. I should be spending this time making more money. Maybe I should be spending this time reading more books. Maybe I'm, I'm dissipating my resources here, making all these live streams when I should be working on one serious book. All right. It's so easy to cascade everyone else for being naive. How about looking at yourself? yourself well okay that's dirt on an anonymous guy who she was faulty to trust basically uh so certainly not a case that the dissident right has an internal problem then she talks about rebel news so that's her couch surfing uh, story she talks about rebel news and basically what leads her to be fired from rebel news is that they were planning a trip to israel <laughs> and th she quickly realizes that okay so she's being ordered to solicit funding for this trip and she's being ordered to present it to the audience as this is a trip of investigative journalists we're going to go and learn so much stuff and we're going to question people and then she realizes as the trip gets organized that it's not a trip so jf is kind of mocking her for things around sex and, and guys being turned on and trying to make moves on her but uh, sex and love makes fools of us all i mean jf could make very compelling shows about how you know, his sexual instinct has, has tripped him up. It certainly tripped me up too. So I, I give credit to Lauren Southern for her new documentary. I thought it was, it was fairly brave. And she has consistently conducted herself in an honorable fashion to the extent that I'm aware. And maybe she's setting a pretty good standard that other live streamers could learn something from. All right, maybe, maybe instead of just sitting back critiquing Lauren Southern, maybe listen to Lauren Southern and see where we might need to learn something from her. Of investi investigative journalist. It's a trip of Jews going to a Jewish country, organizing with the officials and institutions there for a very softball type of interview about how Israel is great. And she... She reacts to this. I, I had never known that story. Apparently, it's the first time that she ever tells it, at least that way. I heard about that story years ago, and I don't think it was a trip just of Jews. Now, it's not absurd to go to Israel and see this is the highest functioning country in the Middle East. I mean, where would you rather live? Would you rather live in Egypt or Lebanon or, or Jordan or Iraq or, or Iran, right? Israel, out of any of these countries, is the closest to a first world country. So she, she's like, I'm uncomfortable. We are telling the audience to send us $5, 20 $50 to fund this trip to Israel. We're telling them that it's going to be investigative journalist, journalism. I mean, how is that any more of a grift than anything else that they're doing? Right? Rebel media has an agenda. Shocking. It has an agenda with regard to Israel. It has an agenda with regard to Canadian politics, it has an agenda with regard to American politics. If you're an employee, you will frequently have to do things that you don't particularly like. I, I don't see why fundraising for this trip to Israel is any different than uh, fundraising for the rest of uh, Rebel News operation. They're an operation with a particular agenda. Part of that agenda is pro-Israel. Another part of that agenda is alt-light, is you know, right-wing politics. 
And yet what you're showing me is an official schedule with interviews about institutional people who we know already what they will say. Oh, so as opposed to everything else Rebel News was doing, so Rebel News until this time was always known for trying to get both sides of the story, was always known for being sober and even-handed and would try to report things down the middle. No, Rebel News has long been inflammatory and Rebel News has long taken sides. So... This isn't different. It's not an investigative journalist. So she writes an email to the to the IR hubs at Rebel. Pretty shocking. A lot of what is claimed to be dis, uh, investigative journalism turns out not to be. Who would have thought? News. And she says, I'm uncomfortable about the whole promotion of this. We're, we're lying to people, basically. There seems to be a difference between what you're telling me and what we're actually doing and what we're telling the audience. And absolutely honorable of her to have done this. The next day, she gets invited to an office by is relevant or some other higher up and she gets fired she gets fired so in virtually every news organization what they tell the public is quite different from what they tell each other right? what journalists say to each other is very different what they say to the public and this is true for a lot of other professions right the way doctors speak to each other is different from how they speak to their patients or the general public dentists right dentists speak differently to the general public than they do to each other for sending that email that says hey I'm feeling uncomfortable. Could uh, could I be excluded from the public video? Because I, I'm not sure I want to take part. And, you know, if, if you want to kick me from the trip, it's okay. I won't go to Israel. But uh, I don't feel comfortable as a journalist in, what, in terms of what we're doing there. So, again, the Canadian naive cutie just bumps with her naivete, naivete toward the kind of you can't criticize Israel even in the so-called dissident right wing, which should have been a red flag to... And that that's a good critique. But uh, why not... Why not be reflexive? Why not apply some of these critiques that you're dishing out to Lauren Southern? Apply it to yourself. Like, hi, how naive have you been? Did you realize when you got into live streaming that you would be isolating yourself and uh, end end up in far northern Canada and uh, you know, essentially having to cut ties with with polite society? Uh, did you realize that you'd go down this rabbit hole and become so incredibly isolated? Right, maybe Lauren Southern is naive, but uh, to what extent, JF P, have you been naive? To what extent have I been naive? Right, what opportunities have I lost out in life? So, I'm unaware of losing any friends, or you know, losing valuable sources of, of income. Uh, I'm I'm unaware of my live streaming doing damage to my real life. But how many opportunities and and connections have I? or closed, right, missed out on because of my live streaming, and I'm just not seeing it, I'm just not aware of it, right? To, uh, to Lauren Southern, that she's not talking to the dissident right. You're talking to a bunch of commercial grifters who are, they're kind of the, the third grade gatekeeping station for the minds of white Canadians and Americans. And their job is to take whoever would have watched CNN. So how are they any different from you? and whoever would have watched Fox, Fox News and get tired of these outlets and they say, I want more. Right, you keep using the word grifter. Give us an objective definition of grifter that shows how it does not apply to you. I don't think you can do it. Things like Rebel News are to ensure that these guys who give up CNN, give up Fox News, have an option to jump to. That is not me. That is not Richard Spencer. That is not uh, truly independent and... Oh, so JF Garapi, he's truly independent truth seeker. Look, 
guess what? Every one of us is a slave. If you have a job, right, you're a slave to your employer, effectively. If you have a full-time job, you're a slave to your employer 40 hours a week, right? If you're married, there is a bondage in being married. If you're religious, there is a bondage and a servitude in being authentic religious, right? So I see throughout the distant right all sorts of people claiming to be traditional Christians who bear absolutely no resemblance to any Christians that I'm aware of because they're completely disconnected. Being a Christian is a rhetorical advantage, right? So that they become more socially acceptable. But if you have any real commitment, there is an element of slavery to it. If you're a decent person, you are enslaved to certain moral standards, right? As someone who converted to Orthodox Judaism, there are all these laws that I am a slave to. In fact, the, the Jewish tradition talks about that someone who follows Torah is, is a, essentially a slave of God, right? So there's no escaping slavery. It, it just depends who you enslave to. So some bosses are awesome. Some clients are a pleasure to work with. And I'm sure that for some people, slavery, literal slavery, was a, a better experience than if they'd been allowed to, to be free. So there were some positive slave-master relationships, and right now there are positive slave-master relationships, but you're always going to be a slave, right? You're either going to be a slave to your alcoholism, your sex addiction, your love addiction, your exercise addiction, your shopping addiction, your excitement addiction, your need to provoke other people. You're going to be a slave to an employer. You're going to be a slave to your commitments. You're going to be a slave to your values, to your ideals, to whatever moral code you hold by, to your religion, to your community. There's no escaping slavery. We never get to graduate to be free and independent. It's a question of what are we enslaved to? Now, I love the feeling of freedom and independence. I love hitting the open road, not just to you know investigate you know piss-filled gay orgies. I just love getting out there. I love the open road. I love running to daylight. But I understand that much of this you know, free and independence is in, in my own mind. I've worked hard, been a slave to clients or to an employer or to you know, this or that institution. And now, by, by virtue of being a good slave, now I get a week or two or three or two months to go out and do what I want. Right? But we're always going to be slave to family, to parents, to spouses, to close friends, right? I have very valuable friendships that I would not easily jeopardize. Right? And those, those friendships you know, require things of me. I, I'm part of an Orthodox Jewish community, right? I, I sacrifice things to be part of that community. There's no escaping servitude. You'll always have values, people, institutions, communities that you will effectively be enslaved to there's no free, independent option. Right? Being completely isolated, that is its own form of servitude. Right? You are then enslaved to yourself. Creative thinkers of the internet. That is what the gatekeeping business is, and is relevant, does it extremely well. But Lauren Sutton and all her naivete thought that she could just express her thoughts about uh, not behaving too dishonest. Naivete often serves you. Right? It's not like seeing things realistically is always the way to go. I probably wouldn't make you know, one-tenth of the amount of videos if I wasn't naive about my impact or if I wasn't naive about the extent of my own wisdom 
or the power of my own insights or the compelling nature of what I put on. I can have to considerably self-enhance to do this show above and beyond what a, a cold, realistic approach would, would give me, right? There, there are all sorts of beliefs that are naive, irrational, right? So if you want to take a purely secular perspective, then someone who believes that there's a God who, who cares about him, right? That's a naive belief, right? The belief that you're special, right? That's a naive belief. There are, there are 8 billion people in the world. We're, we're sustained. We are warmed. We are protected. We are energized by false and naive and irrational beliefs. Right? So, so naive shouldn't just be some easy put down that, ah, you know, I see the truth, but, you know, this person I'm commenting on, how, how silly and naive is she? Uh, naive beliefs about our own specialness and having an exaggerated sense of our own importance, having an exaggerated sense of our own abilities, a, a mild to moderate amount of that frequently serves you. It acts as a protection against depression and hopelessness. Right? It, it's, it protects your mental health. It protects your effectiveness. Right? Now, you can have too much self-enhancement. You can get too disconnected from reality. And whenever you do so, you'll get humiliated. So you just pay attention to the lessons that life dishes out to you. When you get humiliated, then you will see where you've lost touch with reality. But there are productive and adaptive ways of losing touch with reality. ...with the public, but once you put this in writing, you create a risk for his relevance, Lauren. You have put it in writing, so he has no other choice than to fire you. It's like, what if five years from now... You continue working at, at Rebel News, and five years from now, you're holding this. That's a very good point. You don't want to put things in writing that could very well come back to bite you. Right? Say it in person. Say it over the phone. Don't put these sorts of things in writing if, you, if you're not prepared to pay the consequences. A lot of things should not be put in writing. This email that you sent him, and not only this, you're holding it as blackmail against him. He has to take the decision to fire you. That was both honorable on the side of Lauren to have done this, but also understandable on the side of Israel. She has raised, she has raised a problem against basically a trip to Israel and dishonesty toward our audience. We can't keep her. Some random bloke has sent a super chat. By the way, if you'd like to support the show, use the super chat option on Odyssey. It's the. Oh come Jeff, on! What's your opinion about the Holocaust? How much of the official story do you think is true? Uh, what about gas chambers and extermination camps? My dear doctrine, I don't know how long you've been on the internet <laughs> and how much you know me in this show. Uh, it is literally impossible for me to share any thoughts to, to any degree, on any direction, in any dimension. I cannot even blink right now because they're going to interpret my blinks. Basically, what you are asking, the intellectual response to it and the actual engagement to that question is criminal in Canada. And they're... Ah, oh, so you're not such a, a truth seeker that you're willing to risk a little bit of discomfort. As though you would have some special insights into the historicity of, of something that happened 70 years ago. You, you've actually done some original research that uh, cast doubt on the work of professional historians. I doubt it. I mean, this is chutzpah. They're actually looking to make the laws worse, even. Not only is it criminal in Canada, answering that question can lead you to be totally definancialized lose your family, your home, your money, your business, your ability to speak and be... And, and I'm against these laws, right? I, I think they're, they're ludicrous. 
right? That uh, it, it's illegal to question the historicity of different events. But generally speaking, the overwhelming number of people who do question these events are lunatics and heavily antisocial, and they're primarily questioning the historicity of these events, not because they have any insights into the historicity, but because they want to signal to the world that they're willing to burn all bridges to polite society. People who intent on burning all bridges to polite society are dangerous people, right? We're all, we're all on a boat together, and, and you can't escape that. And so people who want to burn a bridge to polite society they are antisocial, and uh, the the various levels of dysfunctional, and they're dangerous, right? Antisocial means you don't care about getting along with other people. People who don't care about getting along with other people tend to be dangerous people. Eventually jailed and uh, made to starve. So will I answer your question? No. Ah, Rustin, good to see you, my friend. I'm sure saying that only 5.9 million Jews died in the Holocaust is illegal in Canada. I, I'm sure it is not. So I, I think these these Holocaust uh, anti-free speech laws are absolutely ridiculous. And I also think it's ridiculous to try to make a religion out of the Holocaust. And it's kind of ridiculous that America has so many Holocaust museums when the Holocaust did not take place in America. And people who get their, their primary income or their meaning in life from promoting the religion of the Holocaust, I, I think that's antisocial, right? You can take a good thing and over-promote it. So memorializing a genocide on the face of it's a good thing, but at a certain point, it becomes a bad thing. Just like encouraging people to get vaccinated against COVID, I think is a good thing, but to then try to build your case by saying, oh, if you get vaccinated, then you're not gonna get infected, right? Then you're lying then you're taking a good thing and you're making it ugly. So every good thing you can overdo. So drinking some water, good thing. Drinking 20 cups of water a day, bad thing. Getting some protein, good thing. Getting a high protein intake, bad thing. Like free speech, yeah, it's a good thing. But there need to be certain limits, say in wartime. You don't want people to be able to tip off the, the enemy to what's going on. You should not be allowed to, say, cry fire in a crowded theater so that people get trampled to death. Like, every value, every good thing has to be understood within a constellation of, of other values. Right? Civility is a good thing, but sometimes there are other values more important than civility. Free speech, I'm almost a free speech absolutist, but I recognize that there are going to be times where there are more important values than free speech. Justice is very important. But sometimes the quality of mercy is more important than justice. Uh, every good thing, every, every value, everything that you love has to be held within a constellation. You may love your wife, but the situation may require that you separate from your spouse to go work on the other side of the world for a few months. And sometimes that work may be so important that the sacrifice that the two of you make is, is outweighed by the greater good. Silver Spider says, Jeff, blink twice if you need to be rescued. Up to now, I'm doing good. I will warn you if the Canadian Mounted Police, uh, if, I hear the, the, if I hear the horses coming, I will let you know. Some random bloke says, Michel Malkin, but thank you for supporting the show, Doctrine. Uh, some random bloke says, Michel Malkin abandoned Conservative Inc. and suffered for it. She is banned from Fox News. Even Kathy Upkins got booted from Fox News. And uh, half deletion, welcome back. Polite society, access at expense of truth is evil.
I don't know if it's evil. I think for most people, it's adaptive. Do you really want most people to say things publicly that will destroy their access to polite society if those things are true? Right. So let's say you've invested in becoming a medical doctor. You've invested in becoming a lawyer. You've invested in rising to the top of your profession. You've invested in rising to the top of the corporate world. Are you morally obliged to blow that all up to say things that are true, but the polite society uh, deems unacceptable? So there's a time for telling the truth and there's time for keeping quiet and being discreet. And anonymous professor makes a good point. You can be a truth seeker without being a truth teller. Right? I don't think that we're obliged by our pursuit of truth to destroy our lives and destroy our access to the people who are important to us. Yeah, and I wouldn't, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be worried about this. You know, what's really grave is not so much that you're banned from Fox News. It's the fact that Fox News is part of this elite channels of... What is fixed and absolute? So I would say natural selection, right? So if you are taking on actions, choices, perspectives, if you are pushing things that lead to you and, and the people you love and your people dying out, then I, I think you're going against some of the iron laws of the universe. And if you think that you and most people can operate without moral absolutes, without believing in certain fixed moral certitudes, I, I think you're wrong. We can, we can be atheists, but no one functionally lives as an atheist. Everybody believes effectively in objective good and evil, right? You can, you can become such an abstract thinker that you can recognize, hey, there, there's no objective good and evil, but at the same time, you have to realize you can't live your life that way. You'll always instinctively react against cruelty or, or what you think is evil. The way people operate is that there is objective good and evil, that history has a purpose, that their lives have purpose. So even when people don't think they believe in God, they, generally speaking, effectively operate as if they're monotheists, that there is a purpose to history, that there is a moral code to which everybody should be held accountable. That's the way people operate. It may not be conscious in their thinking. Of communication that have taken over the YouTube algorithm. Basically, it's a deal with the devil. Fox News will reject certain speakers in exchange. Susan Wojcicki rewards Fox News, rewards CNN, and basically send you to all this crap automatically. That is what we have to resolve. If Fox News was this unthreatening outlet that it was in 2016, and you could go on YouTube and be an alternative to Fox News, and in fact, you could have audiences that were similar to Fox News, it wouldn't be dramatic that you're kicked from Fox News. Fox News is a tabloid news outlet. Uh, it's... It's aimed at an average audience of perhaps, you know, 100 IQ. People would be better off not consuming TV news. Now, there's some good stuff on there, but generally speaking, yeah, you'd be better off you know, listening to a good lecture, reading a good book, like listening to a, a thoughtful podcast, right? Uh, TV news, right? It's, uh, it's a lot like pornography. It's kind of lowbrow, hard-on fuel.
So to talk about, oh, 2016 Fox, that was awesome. But 2022 Fox, man, it's just gone down the drain. It is ridiculous. It's like, it's like I've usually dated women younger than me and they'd have absolute, often they'd absolute contempt for my musical choices. And they thought it was just objectively uncool that I like Barry Manilow, The Eagles, Air Supply, right? And they like indie bands, but there's no inherent objective reason why the indie bands that I can't recall right now are objectively superior to Barry Manilow, right? We're talking about popular music, which is lowbrow, right? It's, it's visceral and it's lowbrow, right? Now, you can make it very strong and uh, to me a compelling argument that uh, Beethoven and uh, Mozart are superior to Snoop Dogg or Barry Manilow or Air Supply. Yeah, I think that that's true. But to get on your high horse that your indie band is just so much, you know, better than, uh, you know, Barry Manilow or the Eagles is ridiculous. But so many people, you know, get very high-handed on, on matters of uh, popular music. But popular music, uh, TV news, we're, we're all talking about, mediums that, that operate on a very low intellectual level. So I'm not sure it's really worth getting uh, terribly hung up on you know, Fox's news' trajectory. I mean, I find it interesting. Like, I like sports, right? Sports is not a terribly intellectual endeavor, but it's not worth getting upset about. You want something thoughtful and uh, deep and intellectually stimulating? Like, go read a book. Uh, don't listen to Top 40. Uh, don't watch uh, sports if you're looking for deep intellectual stimulation. Now, I enjoy watching sports, but I'm not pretending that it's the equivalent of uh, engaging with Shakespeare. The problem is that the attention of human beings has been taken over by algorithmic malpractices and basically a form of cartel of human attention that YouTube is. So that's why I'm, Odyssey, I'm on Odyssey tonight. That's why I moved to Odyssey. And we have to get working on this. Some people are saying buffering is there. Sorry, but we have to work to develop this platform. It is the only way freedom will be restored in on the internet some random blog the only way freedom will be restored on the internet is through live streaming video all right uh writing articles writing blogs writing books is a much higher iq endeavor so i, I don't think uh, freedom depends upon the triumph of live streaming video however much i enjoy participating in it and consuming it oh it says hey jf what did you think of hans zundel he was a canadian dissident well uh, i don't know much about his story my understanding is he he got trialed for uh, Holocaust denial or something like this in Canada. Uh, Jay, I said yesterday, he wonders if Biden voters will see how their vote wrecked America. Like, how exactly has America been wrecked by Joe Biden? Like, I, I didn't vote for him. I would prefer Donald Trump. But America is still the strongest country in the world as, as compared to, you know, what country? Like, which countries do you really think are thriving? China? Notice how no one talks about how China is going to rule the world anymore. Uh, do you think Japan's thriving? Italy, France, Spain, Germany, England, Canada, Mexico? If you think America's a wreck, then that always has to be within context, just like moral values, right? They, they always operate in a constellation. They're always competing values. Well, so too, if you think America is a wreck, compared to which country, right? In the real world, compared to which countries, which countries are doing so much better than America. So 
it's, it's just such a, a narrow perspective to say America's a wreck or, you know, this one moral value always outweighs every other moral value. Right? You have to live in reality, see how values stack up against other values, see how that competition takes place. All right. I love my freedom. I love being able to say what I want. I love, you know, giving vent to what I think is real, what I think is true, what I think is good. I love sharing with you the sources of information that I think are important. But I give up a considerable amount of freedom to also have friends and community and to be able to participate in polite society. So freedom of speech is wonderful. Like just telling you what's on my mind is a wonderful, beautiful thing. But maintaining human connection is also a wonderful thing. So I give up some human connection. I give up some, you know, potential friendships or, or probably given up uh, real friendships for saying, you know, what I believe to be true. When I decided to start writing without authorization, without a license about Dennis Prager, I lost all my friends that I had at that time in Los Angeles. Like everybody turned their back on me. So I have often had people turn their back on me in high school when I wanted to write an investigative article about how football players were getting preferential treatment. Some of my closest friends turned their back on me. You know, other people, you know, beat me up, threw me in the, the trash can, tried to intimidate me. Right. So I'm willing to pay a price for saying what I believe to be true. But at the same time, I want to live in reality. There are friendships that are important to me. There, there, there are communities that are important to me. There, there are other things that are important to me in addition to just telling you exactly what I think. And that's reality, is that life is a consistent balancing of competing values, right? Life is a narrow bridge. The important thing is not to be afraid. Bye-bye.